here this morning. And uh, told Bob I would preach this morning because uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to be next Sunday, but if the weather's good, uh, Douglas and I were going to go offshore and dive Saturday, so I might be in Florida. Uh, so I told him I'd take my turn in the pulpit uh, this week. Um, I know it's Mother's Day, and uh, I don't think anybody came here to have a Mother's Day lesson, but, uh, you know, my thoughts on Mother's Day is it's every day, and we go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse two, it says, honor your mother and your father, uh, your parents, and uh, that's God's command. Now, I think it's great. I don't think anything's wrong with, with a secular world having a day that we, we honor our mothers, and uh, but I would also say from a scriptural point of view as Christians, we honor our parents, uh, should honor them every day, and uh, that, that can be done in many different ways. Uh, throughout our lives and so we do live in a society where we do travel and we do uh, live in various places and uh, so uh, you have to you still have to honor your parents uh, I kind of say that and say this we, I, I just call it out because there's there's so many things going on in the world today so Saturday and I we got this brochure in the mail this week and it was inviting us to, to um, I would say, not a worship service. It was sounded like it was going to be a Mother's Day service. And never was anything mentioned about Christ and coming together to worship Christ. We are coming, coming together to worship God. We're here to worship God. That's what we're here for. That is the purpose we come together today. And uh, so just remember... As a religious world, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today a little bit. I've been wanting to bring a lesson on first principles. I haven't brought a lot of lessons uh, since I've been here on first principles, and today uh, is going to be slightly that, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. So take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians, the second chapter. So we're we're in Ephesus. And Ephesus is, is one of those churches that's called out, and, is, and this is a very, most of this book is a very positive uh, book. And in the second chapter of, of Ephesians here, Paul is trying to show them where they've come from and, and how they're saved here. And they're saved by grace. And whenever I talk about first principles today, a lot of people like to say they're saved by grace and then they stop. And we can say that. But the Bible also says a lot more about that. And so in this morning's lesson, we're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about where we were, where we are because of grace. But we're also going to talk about how we get that grace. And that's going to be some of the first principles we're going to talk about this morning. So the first part of the second chapter of Ephesians is really basically telling where they were. And he starts off in the first two verses talking to the Gentiles. And the you there. And he says, you were dead 
in your trespasses and sin. You were living in sin. You were dead to the Lord. You had no eternal life in which you formerly walked, according, verse 2, you, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So you were dead in your trespasses. You were, you were walking there. You were walking according to the world. And that's, you were working, walking according to the devil's uh, direction. And every one of us has been there. That's what grace is all about, is to pull <clears throat> us out of that. Verse 3, he changes. He actually changes from you to we. And the we here is, I think, Jews, as well as the Gentiles. He's including everybody. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and, and were uh, by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So, he's telling him here, we all live according to the lust. We've all lived according to the lust of the flesh. And we've all had this wrath. We've all been nature, children of wrath. We let our minds dwell on fleshly things. We've all been there. We're there. And every one of us has got to realize we've all been there. We all can get back there. It's easy to get back there. Why? If it wasn't fun for a season, none of us would go there. Right? If it wasn't fun, if sin wasn't fun for a season, none of us would go there. But we also forget to see what sin destroys out from us. We, the devil blinds us for what sin does for us uh, down the road. Now, verse 4 is the start of the beautiful message of God's grace. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy. Now, remember, he just told them, these are the things that you were in. God having mercy. He has mercy because of his love. He gives us this mercy because he's not going to give us what we deserve because we don't deserve anything. We haven't done anything to deserve. But because of his love, he's got this great mercy for us. That's the difference between all other religions in the world. Is that word love. God has that love. And that's one of the things that we've got to come to and we've got to figure out as Christians. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in the transgression, we were dead over here. We didn't treat people right. We didn't worship God. We didn't acknowledge God. We'd steal from people. We'd lie to people. We would cheat them. Whenever we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together 
with Christ. And then there's a parenthetical phrase there, by grace you have been saved. So it's by God's grace that we're saved. In verse 6, he says, And raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we were over here, and by God's grace, he is going to pull us up, and we're going to be seated in heaven with him. And what that says is, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve, we can't get from over here to up here by what we do, and we'll see that in a minute. There's nothing we can do. It's God's love and his mercy. And in a minute we'll see kindness that's going to get us over here. There's nothing I can do for me to deserve getting up there. Now there's things I'm going to do so that I can get become part of that grace. So in verse 6, he says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So we have mercy, we have the love, and we have the kindness. Those are the things that's making up God's grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So verse 8 is where we're going to spend our, you know, a lot of our time here. So he says, while we were dead in our transgressions, through God's mercy. His mercy comes because he loves us. His kindness comes because he loves us. And through his grace, we're going to be saved. Now there's, there's, there's an important two words left in this little phrase before the semicolon. And it's through faith. Okay? So grace is coming from God to us. So how do we come to God? It says, through faith. And that's important, that we see through faith. Now, people of the religious world would say, well, Faith only, I'm saved. I don't have to do all these other things. And that's what we want. That's So what did Paul, what has Paul told the Ephesian brethren? And before we go into that, let me, an illustration that I heard one time that I really liked. And I think you can, you can blow this up into many other stories. But, you got a 15-year-old child, and you got a, this 15-year-old child is doing a lot of things right, but probably could do better on their grades. And you say to your child, you say, you know, 
If you'll make all A's for the next year, if you'll make all A's, I'll buy you a car. Now, which my kids know, they'd probably be a little toyer's car if they didn't specify. Now, that child makes all A's from age 15 to 16, and on her 16th birthday, the parents go buy that child a car. Now, did that child do the work to deserve that car? The answer is no. Because that child cannot take those grades down to the dealership and say, here's my card, here's my report card, please give me a car. Do you see that? Did the child work and make A's? Absolutely. The child worked and made A's. But those A's don't deserve a car. There's no dealership anywhere that if you go show your report card with all A's, it's going to say, congratulations, here's a Cadillac. They're not going to do it. But through those parents' love and through their kindness, they said, we will give you a car for that. You see, we all can understand that illustration, right? So you can't get that car with that report card. You can only get that because two parents said, this is what we're willing to give you if you can do this. Now, how does that relate to this? So for by grace, you have been saved through faith. So what does our faith produce and where do we and what do we get? And, and notice it says in verse 8, and, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. He's telling them the same thing. You're going to get this grace. You're going to get heaven. But it's not of your own doing. That is not. There is no way that clay in my lifetime can do enough works, do enough things that I deserve heaven. Just can't do it. There's just no way I can do that. So verse 9, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So he's telling them, this grace is going to be given to you. This salvation is going to be given to you. But it's not of your works. It's not what I do. It's not the, the perfect life if I could live without. Because I can't. So there's nothing I can do. It's that grace that God gives us. Now, verse 10 kind of brings us back to reality from the religious world today. And, and I'm really kind of attacking this notion that people talks about, well, I'm saved by grace and I can't fall from grace. And you folks that think you're supposed to be baptized, that's a work. and that, That's just like the grades on the car. 
I mean, the, the grades, the straight-A report card versus the car. Is that really a work? Is that really doing something great, being baptized? No, it's following what the New Testament church example is. So let's talk about that. And what's interesting, minus one, minus one verse, we're only going to look at what Paul told the Ephesians. So he's talking to the Ephesians here. So turn to Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 13. Verse 13. Ephesians 1 chapter, verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, is listening a work? You guys are working right now. Some of you might not be. You might be daydreaming. I reckon daydreaming could be a work, but I don't think so. Listening is a, you have to pay attention you have to work at it. So, number one, he just told the people here, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believe. Is believing a work? I got news for you. I still work today on my faith and my belief in Jesus Christ. I still search out material to grow my faith. I still listen to people. I still read things. Is reading a work? Reading the work. All of these things are works. Or if I do that, does that make me deserve heaven? No. It's God's grace. So, so they listened to the truth, the gospel of salvation, and you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, here he only states two things. You listened and you believed. Those are the two things he, he gave there. That, that there. And, and also, you go back to verse 8 in chapter 2. It says, through faith. Believe in faith. So those, so we kind of have those those things solidified because in verse one he says, "Hey, you listen." So you, they did some work there. So let's turn back to Acts twenty and verse seventeen. Acts twenty and verse seventeen. This is the church at Ephesus. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. So verse 17, we're going to read verse 17, Acts 20, verse 17 through 21. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. So Paul's returning back to Jerusalem and he's calling the elders of Ephesus. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourself know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from, the house to, from house to house. 
and solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Now over here in Ephesians, he's told them, you listen and you believe. But now he's telling the elders at Ephesus, I preach to you and I preach repentance to you. So what he's telling them here, and notice we're at the same church. We're the same group of people now. We're putting the puzzle together. He's never taken grace out. We're still saved through faith through Lord Jesus Christ. And if Paul is correct, he's saying we're saved by grace. But he preached a message of repentance, right? And so, and faith in Jesus, that's what he's telling the elders here in uh, Miletus, uh, I mean, in the elders of Ephesus. So he preached repentance to them while he was there. Now, turn back one chapter in chapter 19, and it says, here, 19 through 1 through 5, we're going to read. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Passed through the, through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they said to him, No, we don't have, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the same group of people have heard that they're saved by grace, that they need to hear the message, they need to believe the message, they need to be repenting, and now he's telling them, your baptism's wrong, you've got to be baptized in Jesus Christ. Same group of people. So why do I have trouble today teaching people this when Paul's taught the same group of people all these things? Now, there are different chapters, and I understand that. But he's trying to drive different points home in each area. Because he goes, one letter, he's, he's writing back to them later on because of other problems. So, I don't learn a lot about this baptism except it's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that John's baptism was not the baptism Paul thought I should have. And so, now, let me go back. Let me, let me stop here. Well, let me go ahead and do this. Go to Acts 2.38, which we all know this passage, but I mean, it just drives this stuff home. These are fundamentals. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter sitting there saying, repent. That's the same message we just read over in Acts 20 that Paul told him to do. Repent, each of you, 
Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, that's the same thing that Paul told them to do in Acts 19. But here, he's got a prepositional, prepositional <coughs> phrase for the forgiveness of sins. So do you see that whenever they were baptized for John's baptism, they were baptized for repentance. They wasn't baptized for forgiveness of sins. So whenever, so I have to logically go back and say, why was it important that they get baptized even though they were baptized in John's baptism? Because they were not baptized in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now, let me ask you this. Now, if any of y'all come up and argue with me about this report card thing, I'm going to look at you real funny because I'm going to get you any report cards you want to go down to the store. I mean, we're going to go down to the car dealership and see if we can get a car out of it, but you won't. Now, by me hearing the Word of God, me believing it, me repenting of my sins and me being baptized. How long does it take you to be baptized? If we do it like we do today where we don't get our clothes wet, it might take me 10 minutes if I'm in a hurry. I can do it probably in five. Is that worth eternal life? Did I do something so great that that's eternal life? I haven't done anything. That, that's just like that report card coming home. It's not going to buy you a car. So what is it that really saves me? Those things. Because remember, back up. So whenever you go back to Ephesians, hey, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is coming from God. I've got to have my faith so I can be saved. My faith leads me to listen, to have faith, to repent, and to be baptized. And none of those things are good enough that if we were going down that, that you would say, I deserve something. So it might take me eight hours if somebody has a pure heart to teach them enough to believe in God. So that's eight hours worth of work. Them sitting there and acknowledging they need Christ and repenting of their sins, after that eight hours of Bible study is all of two seconds of words, Right? And we already concluded that we got 10 minutes to get somebody baptized. And if we're near a pond, we can get it done a lot quicker than that if we're not worried about the clothes. So basically, I got eight hours and 10 minutes it takes to be saved. That's not deserving of heaven. Now, added on to that, we got a lifetime of work. And notice, notice in verse 10. This is what people forget to, to look at. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
so that we can be saved by grace. Not what it says. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That matches up with what James tells us. I'll show you my faith by my works. Now, none of my works, me coming here this morning, is not deserving of me being an eternal life with heaven. It's not going to wipe away my sins. It's the grace of God that he sent his son. It's the love. It's the mercy. It's his eternal kindness. That's what's going to save me. But he's telling me here, if I truly hear, I truly have faith, I truly repent of my sins, I'm going to want to be doing good works for Christ. That's what it's going to produce. Because I see what state I was in, and I know where I need to go, and I'm going to be wanting to do those good works. My attitude is going to be totally different. I hope this morning's lesson, it's, it's more of a first principles lesson, and as Christians, we sometimes avoid this, this message of grace because of what the world preaches. You're saved by grace. It's nothing, you, you're right. There's nothing I can do. But I've got to follow what the first century church did to find that grace, to get into that grace. Now, we can come back in other lessons and we can talk about people falling from grace. Bubba's teaching Galatians right now on Sunday morning. In the first chapter, he's talking to the Galatian brethren, which is very close to Ephesus. He said, how soon? Why did you fall so soon? How can you be, you know, how did you lose your faith? They fell out. But that's another day for another lesson. So we are saved by faith. But realize, whenever we see this passage here in Ephesians, we're saved by grace through our faith. There is something there for us to do. And I went back and, and realized, I showed you where Paul preached these other things that comes with faith. That first century church that Paul preached. So make sure you're looking at that. There's error that's being taught. I mean, that's what the devil does. The devil doesn't come out. Well, there's atheists, so I reckon uh, some of them have just uh, totally rejected God. But remember, he's trying to get all of us. And if the devil came in here today and preached a lesson on atheism, none of y'all would listen. But just like he did in the Garden of Eden, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, he took a little bit of truth and a lie and he deceived Adam and Eve. That's what the devil's doing all of the world today. We're just all at different points. And if you don't study your Bible and if you don't study God's Word, we can be there too. I can be there. It scares me the things that I read and I think I know. I study a little more and I figure out what I don't know. 
So make sure you're studying. Make sure you're looking. But if there's anyone here, the things that God wants us to do, we are saved by grace. But for us to get into that grace, we need to hear the word, we need to believe it, and we need to repent of our sins. And I didn't even go, I didn't go over confession because Pete Paul didn't use that in any of these texts. But we need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because he actually states that later on in other things. And I didn't bring that in because it went to Ephesus. And we need to be baptized for the remission of our sins. So if there's anyone here that needs that, please come forward as we stand and sing.